Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Endgame Heroes podcast, the weekly podcast where two best friends talk about movies, TV, and occasionally video games. I'm your host, Jack, and I am joined by my best friend, Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. Hello, Kyle. And we are here. We're recording a little bit early, so forgive us if we miss any sort of like news discussion types of things. Um, but one of us has a very busy week ahead, so we wanted to get this out now. We've seen Guardians, so we're going to give our spoiler-free and then spoiler reviews about the movie. Um, we also ha- we have a little bit of news stuff that we can talk about beforehand, so I figure we can just like jump right in. Um, Disney's uh, response to the writer's strike. Yeah. They released a thing to their people saying like, hey... We don't care if you're like on strike. We want you to keep doing you know, like jobs that are very much defined as like being a writer for your things, even if it means like paying uh like the fines to the writers guild for breaking the the strike. And um that's um uh evil, awful, greedy, terrible corporation strikes again. Yeah, it's very sad to see. Um, I know there was also, I texted you earlier in the week when I saw that Amazon's, you know, the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power was continuing on without the writers. You know, like, yeah. it's like these big companies just don't get it. This is what the strike is about. And clearly they aren't getting it and they don't care, which is really sad. And it gives me a lot of reservations to what I said, you know, a few days ago where I was hoping this would end quickly. And first initial impressions after all this is maybe it won't not off to a good start yeah it's it's really sad because it's like yeah like one thing that i saw um just like a, a quick little like quote thing that i saw at uh writers guild west was um the shield put fx on the map wrote fx's snowfall writer producer sal caleros Mad Men put amc on the map house of cards put netflix on the map writers did that not some ceo know what you get when you put ceos in creative lanes you get Quibi <laughs> and full circle, everybody. I, Cause I could not for the life of remember what the name of that app was, but it's Quibi and it lasted so short because it was just bad. What a terrible and, name too. Yeah. And like that is, uh, they should have had a writer come up with a name, <laughs> um, but that is exactly like what we're talking about. Like, you know, Lord of the Rings, that's another one where they are moving ahead without their showrunner. And their writers in order to keep going on season two. What? Just what a stupid decision made by a stupid person. Like, I hope whoever is in charge of that show is listening to us so that they can understand how stupid they are. Like, this idiot is just like... have you learned nothing from what happened 15 years ago with well, the first writer? They have it this because is... they weren't around then to know, you know, like they, they didn't lose money then. So that's the thing is this isn't geared towards those cable networks. It's geared towards the streaming services, which weren't around for the previous writer strike. So a lot of these executives that are making the decisions just see that they're going to lose money and they don't care. So they're just going to push through and put the episodes out and hope no one notices. Yeah, which is, like, hilarious because, like, I'm dumber than a bag of hammers, but, like, I'm going to be able to notice, and, like, a lot of other people are, too, and, like, I mean, to do that to, like, 
to one of these big properties like Lord of the Rings or, you know, like a Marvel movie or things like that, it's like, dude, like you gotta like stop. Like you can't do this. Like it's Lord of the Rings. It's one of the most beloved franchises in the, the history of the world. Yep. And uh, they are just on the wrong side of this. And I hope that they stop because the first season of what was it? Rings of power was already kind of rough for, for myself and my wife. Uh, so I, I can't imagine season two would be better in any singular way at all with this news coupled on top of that. Yeah. I haven't for given example. that show a chance yet. And this makes me not even want to watch it at all. Yeah. I probably wouldn't honestly it's like there and like i say this is the fantasy guy like i just said lord of the rings one of the most beloved blah 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 blah. it's like i probably wouldn't waste my time watching the rings of power honestly which is just so sad yep um we also had news that blade was fortunately delaying production because of everything which is great obviously you know that was much early on or earlier on rather into yeah. like the production, like they just g- announced their like writer because mm-hmm. they had been going through it. Um, that I think was scheduled to come out like next September, 2024. Uh, so that's not hopefully going to get, yeah. yeah, no, definitely, definitely almost assuredly not happening. If it does happen, then that's when you should be worried. Uh, we have a couple of movie trailers that uh, not necessarily to talk about, but just something to put on y'all's radars. Um, we had, uh, two notable ones that I think, uh, one is a meme. The other is going to be a super heavy Oscar contender. Hmm. Uh, and we're going to play a fun game, Kyle, where I'm going to say the names of each of them and like just a very, like very broad topic of like what they're about, like the tagline almost. And you're going to, you're going to have to try to decide which one I had in mind when I say <laughs> a meme versus Oscar contender. Okay, okay. are you ready? Uh, yeah, let's go. All right. First one, Gran Turismo stars Orlando Bloom and David Harbour. Uh, it is about a, a, it's supposedly based off of a true story about getting a video game player who's really good at Gran Turismo to train and race actual like formula one race cars in a race against actual professional drivers. Okay. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, asteroid city directed by Wes Anderson, starring basically every person under the sun in Hollywood. You've got Steve Carell, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, uh, just, just really just an all-star banger cast. Right. Mm -hmm. And it is, uh, sort of like a uh, it's it seems to be a period piece set somewhere in like the like 40s to 60s, where a group of people is stuck in this little town out in the middle of the nowhere because they saw aliens and the government steps in and is like essentially trapped them there while they try to figure out what's going on. Okay, so as someone who hasn't seen that trailer but has seen the Gran Turismo trailer, I'm a little torn now because I could I could see that Wes Anderson movie going towards that meme side but also like it's a video game movie for Gran Turismo but it's directed by Neil Blomkamp it has a good cast to it it's taking a serious tone although the the trailer does say gamer and video game way too many times for my liking so uh he's a gamer Kyle <laughs> yeah get these gamers out of here um 
<laughs> like we're a polite or like a, a swarm of locusts. So, I mean, I'm going to go with my gut still and say that the meme is Gran Turismo and the Wes Anderson movie is the Oscar contender, but I have a feeling I'm wrong. Ooh, no, you nailed it. That is exactly, I would have, I would have been really disappointed had you fumbled well, that easy so, softball. To be fair, I thought you were going to go the route of Gran Turismo and Twisted Metal, which also had a trailer last week with Anthony Mackie. And uh, that I thought was going to be the meme you were going to list off. I mean, that was more of a teaser trailer. That wasn't really like a trailer trailer. Also, who has Peacock? Like, come on, like, get out of here. Yeah, so Asteroid City, that comes out in June. That's definitely one to watch, put on your radars. Um, Gran Turismo comes out at some point. I don't even have the date for it. It, It's going to be a meme, but it's going to be probably a fun meme. So, you know, if you have a spare couple of bucks, go see it or whatever. Uh, maybe wait till closer to and you could see the reviews. Uh, but then we've also got uh, really coming up on us, like in a week or so now, is Fast X, Fast 10. I don't know how they're calling it that, just because like the, the X is like 10 in Roman numerals. Yeah, knowing knowing the Fast people, it's probably X, even though it's talking about the 10th movie, that this is how they do things. Yeah, I'm really disappointed. I'm still really disappointed. And like, I've said this multiple times in public that they could use this and I wouldn't like charge them for it because it's too good to not use. Uh, They should have made it fast 10 your seatbelts. You know, like, huh? That should be Uh the tagline for sure. It should. But instead they're like, oh, it's the beginning of the end of the road or something like that. Yeah. And it's just like, that's... uh. You, you know, one of these days I'll break out into Hollywood and I'll be able to to drop these little gold nuggets that a studio will be able to jump on and then they'll be rich. So what I um, what I kind of hope they do, because I heard this movie is like a two part, like leading into the finale of the next one. And so right. this is this is called, you know, Fast X or Fast 10. I hope they pull a Final Fantasy and just call the next one to like 10-2 or X-2. Like, please, that'd be hilarious. I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing because like it's specifically the one project like I I can't remember it's it's probably been like a year at this point since I've read this where they were talking about how like it's not fast 10 and fast 11 it's going to be fast 10 parts one and two so the fact that we have fast x for 10 it leads me to believe that they're not going to be smart enough to be like fast 11 they're they're going to be like Fast 10 part two. And it's just like, you guys are so stupid. <laughs> yeah. That like, means what that happens. I haven't seen a fast movie since Tokyo drift. And I would say that you're better off for it as just like a, pro- like a productive member of human society. <laughs> um, these movies started as a joke about like just some street racers trying to say like F the police and they've now turned into superheroes that are bullet and explosion proof and they like their number one superpower aside from being bulletproof and explosion proof is the fact that they can straight up they just ignore physics yeah like they don't have to obey laws of any sort (laughs) even the natural kind like gravity or you know like like momentum and like specifically so like i've seen the fast movies so this is going to be a quick tangent i promise but and if you're a fast fan then i'm sorry but you're wrong (laughs) um i've seen all of them because seven was legitimately good 
that was the one where Paul Walker like died in like the middle of producing it and they had like his brother come in for certain things to finish it off. Seven was legitimately good. That was actually a good time. I heard five and um, six were good too. Six was literally a reskin of five. Five was okay. It was it was like on the better end of the fast movies for sure. And it had like the the bank vault sequence was pretty cool. Like there the whole big thing is like I guess spoilers for Fast Five, even though it came out like a long time ago. They're like dragging this Omega huge safe like through the streets of I want to say like Rio de Janeiro or something like that as they're like heisting it. And it's just, like, going everywhere. They're just, like, slaughtering these, like, people as they're, like, going through. Because it's, like, a giant Omega-ton safe that's just, like, crashing into other cars. But, like, we assume that they're all bad guys. But, like, that's also the backstory of Jason Momoa's character in Fast 10. Is they're retconning, retconning him to be, like, one of the henchmen that, like was supposedly killed in Fast Five, and, like, now he's like, I'm gonna take everything away from you, Dom. And and he's doing all of that type of stuff, and uh, so Fast Five was, like, fine, and Fast Seven was, like, legitimately good, but literally all of the other ones have just been absolute gutter fires. <laughs> like, they're bad movies. At, like, it is, it is so bad, and, like, I'm sorry, like, if you enjoy them, that's fine, it's like a guilty pleasure type of thing, because, like, again, I've seen all of them, and I made my wife watch all of them, too, to where, like, it's just, like, this pop culture thing, and, like, it's kind of, like, it's so bad that it's kind of funny to watch, but that was really only up to leading to seven, eight, and nine were legitimately just, like, how, do people legitimately enjoy this? Like, I don't understand people that actually that think these are actually good movies not just like memes you know and like i don't expect fast 10 to be different at all but you know jason momoa brie larson they added some fun people and hopefully they get paid an obscene amount of money for this yeah. much like vin diesel for playing groot in guardians of the galaxy yeah. set way Woo! yeah so uh we both saw the movie um, I saw it Friday. You saw it Saturday. So right upon release. First off, I'm going to ask, how was your theater? Was it full? Oh yeah, it was jam packed. Okay, not a not an empty seat. So mine, we were mine in, was like, not. Uh, oh, was it was it like a ghost town or was it just like lightly? I would say it was about sixty five percent of the way filled, and yeah. it did was you a, see it like in. Did you see it like in a premium no. formatting, like an IMAX or anything? I like saw that? it on a, the, on opening day, Friday night at six p.m., which is a little early, I guess. I'm sure the seven o'clock showings be busier, but six o'clock in the smaller screen, it, I think there was like only like fourteen rows, and I'd say about sixty five percent filled. Um, so th I was a little shocked by that when I pulled into the parking lot. I was surprised at how how not full it was. Interesting. I'll be really interested to see what the box office numbers for this weekend show as mm -hmm. we just like kind of get towards like Monday and Tuesday and we get those numbers because that's very different from the experience I had the, mm -hmm. where we saw it in like Cinemark XD. It's like their version of IMAX or whatever. Yeah. And like it was it was packed mm -hmm. and like I like every now and again, like if if someone like is like proffering a conversation. I'll just ask him like, oh yeah, how like the showing's been like to the employees as I'm waiting in line for popcorn or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, dude, it's been like, it's been nonstop busy. Like Guardians has been packed. Like they were like running out of concessions and things like that. Like, so 
very different experience from what you had. That's that would yeah. be interesting to see how that shakes out, like on the nationwide scale. So I don't know. It's I, mean, I have the box office numbers pulled up as of May sixth, which is yesterday. So now having full weekend numbers, and it was at two hundred eighty-two million uh, total box office so far. So I'm assuming we'll be we'll be closer to that like three fifty four hundred million mark. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, um, so let's go into our thoughts um, on our review scale, which if you haven't listened to our episode about our review scale from a few weeks ago, please check that out. We detail from one through 10 what we define as each scale. And we have officially decided we are using the 0.5s in between to kind of really gauge a, a property. So like a seven is good. A 7.5 is like really good. So that being said, Jack, where do you fall for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Oh, you know, I'll I'll throw out a number, but it's totally possible that the number might change after we talk about this more. But like right now, super fresh. I just saw last night. I'd say this is like a solid, definitely a seven, maybe a 7.5 for me. Okay. So like good to really good okay. in that area for me is where I'm like hovering. And I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to decide. Hopefully this, the conversation we have will help me. Yeah, like nail down definitively. What so about you? I have some facts for you that I'll throw out there later once we get to the spoiler section that I think might change your mind a little bit because there were some things that I saw in my first viewing and then I was on Twitter and I saw things James Gunn was saying and things kind of clicked into place a bit more for what he was going for and it kind of opened my eyes a bit. But um, I would give this an 8.5. Uh, Interesting. So I'm, really great. I Yeah, I think it's a, a really great movie. Um, you know, I rewatched one and two last week. My definitive rankings now after seeing all three and actually after watching three, I was a little bit higher on it. And then I saw it two days ago. So I've let it settle a little bit and kind of like really think about it. And I would give one a nine, two an eight and three an 8.5. Okay. So I think all right. they're all really good movies. Great to amazing. Um, I One still is a special to me, but I think mm-hmm. as a trilogy, it's probably my favorite Marvel trilogy. I think it, it wraps things up in a way that I wasn't expecting. No spoilers yet, but like I was happy with where things were left and you know where they might go in the future. Who knows? Because James Gunn is leaving Marvel for DC. This is his end of the Marvel reign for him. And I think as a trilogy, it did a really good job and the emotional resonance was always there. So I think two is the funniest. I think one is the best. And I think three is the most like emotional resonating movie out, out of the three. I would agree with that, like, sentiment across, like, I, I think one is the best, two is funnier, and then three is, three made me cry yeah, oh yeah. Uh, at a couple of times. Like, it was, it was heart-wrenching, and, mm-hmm. like, disclaimer, not a spoiler, but a disclaimer, uh, there are uh, quite a few scenes uh, mm-hmm. depicting, like, just severe animal cruelty yes. and, like, just, like, torture um, so like that is totally something that might turn you off from this movie. And uh, like, it, this is a PG 13 movie, but like really just barely, like just oh, yeah. barely. So like, if you have like younger kids, like n- know your children. So like, if, if you think like, you know, animal torture is going to like upset them, then maybe don't watch this movie uh, mm-hmm. with them. Like they- give them a little bit of time. Cause like it, it is there, it was hard to watch as mm-hmm. like a 30 year old adult. Um, there were a couple of kids in our theater that like, I, like one of them like left 
whenever wow. like the mm. first like thing like happened and they didn't come back wow um so i i feel like that's really important as like as if you're like a parent or like you're in charge of like a young one or something like that like to at least you know find out that type of minimum stuff before you just go in brain dead to like the next big marvel franchise movie yeah um because it, it it was rough but yeah. um you know it, it was with purpose but i don't know if like a 10 year old is going to be able to see that yes. you know they're just gonna hurt from it yeah and then also too like it is all cg so there were no yes. like animals actually harmed no animals were hurt during the making of this movie every animal you see in this movie um even cosmo the dog is 100% cg which no they ha they had a real cosmo according oh. to james gunn on twitter it is all cg oh interesting yeah so uh, i said that they had one for before with like the guardian special so i guess they just used it as a model they might have well, that's uh, good yeah james gunn on last night on twitter asked answered a bunch of questions just rapid fire yes or no's and uh, mm -hmm. that was one of the ones he answered. So maybe, unless if I misinterpreted it, but or he just didn't elaborate fully. But yeah, it seemed like it was not fully CG than almost fully. But yeah, I, I did really enjoy the movie. It was definitely the longest Guardians movie by far. It's about two and a half hours plus two post credit scenes. So I did have to take a bathroom break in the, in the middle there because I'm a 33-year-old man with a bad bladder apparently. So it's fine. Goodness. That's my problem. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I did really enjoy the movie. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to because the marketing for this movie made me very scared to see the movie, and I ended up walking away feeling pretty good. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's that's fair. Um, With that, yeah, spoilers, like what are some of your crit uh, critiques that you could say to try and, you know, if the audience is trying to decide to see it or wait for Disney+, Plus? what would you say? It was, it was long, <laughs> but like, I'm okay with long movies as long as it serves a purpose. And it's like watching this movie, there are definitely some things that like, I like just thinking back on it now, it's like, oh, you know what? You could probably cut this or like, yeah. you could trim this down a little bit. Um, but at the same time, like over as a whole, I don't know if I would just because like, I, I still thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Like. I guess if I were to like really and, and like I'm not gonna spoil anything, but like just like very broadly, I would probably cut everything with Adam Warlock in it. Yeah. Which is, set. is is hard for me to yeah. say because I really like the actor and I like the character. Like I actually like the portrayal of Adam Warlock in this movie, but like it felt it it just didn't belong in this movie specifically. But, like, they ha basically were shoehorned into having to include Adam Warlock because we had the teaser at the end of 2. So they're like, okay, well, we have to have Adam Warlock now because we yes. had him in the post credits. So how do we work him in? Uh, so, like, in that regard, like, I understand why they have him in there. But, like, everything about him basically could have been completely non-existent in this movie. And that would have been fine. And that would have saved some time. Um I That's do like think the the, the opening uh, with him I thought was really well done. I was it really it, was, yeah. it started off really strong, and then once you really start to understand his character, I was like, "Ooh, this is not where I thought they were going to go with him," and it didn't really vibe with me. Um, so yeah, that's my biggest complaint. I do think he was pretty irrelevant to the plot, besides a couple small things, 
and we probably could have done without, but like you said, with twos, T's with the sovereign and this movie being about the high evolutionary who created the sovereign, like they were clearly building to it. It was weird how they did it. But that being said, the villain of this movie, the high evolutionary is a great villain. I thought he, I think he was, he's easy to hate. It was a well done performance. He has motivations. Like he's villainous. You, I thought he was really well done. I I think He's probably my favorite Marvel villain since Green Goblin from No Way Home. Oh yeah, Willem Dafoe's reprisal yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a really good villain portrayal too. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Oh, I liked uh, him more than know. Namor. Yeah, same. I, and like, I I didn't dislike Namor. I think my problems more so are with like some of these recent movies as a whole, rather. But um, yeah, like High Evolutionary, I thought was really good. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, God complex, just terrible, awful, despicable existence of a, of a cesspool of like a quote unquote human being. And I'm not even saying that because he's probably an alien. Like I'm saying like he shouldn't qualify as a human being for how terrible of an atrocity yeah. he is. Yep. Like he's a monster. Uh, but that's exactly what makes him a good villain. Yep. And, um, Again, n- not a spoiler, but just like over like the the context of the movie, like I really liked him towards like the first half of the movie where he was like very like more so like quiet and reserved. Mm-hmm. But then like towards the end where he did start to like lose it and get more yelly, that's where it, it kind of lost it for me. Like I get that it makes sense for a character with a god complex to like yeah. whenever he's like, you know, on the ropes to like really just lose it like that like i get it yeah but like i i think i th- I thought he was a lot more intimidating and frightening whenever he was like more like reserved and quiet yeah that, that would be like my critique with that character uh as a whole like that that's my only like complaint with the character like yeah, he is a villain, and they make you hate him very early on. It's like it's like the Russians in John Wick One; like they make you hate them very quickly, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Please kill him, John Wick." And you're yeah. like, "Please, Guardians, please kill this man." Yeah. Um, Do you have any other spoiler-free thoughts? Because I feel like a lot of like the critiques I have require going into spoilers, and the positives, to be honest. Um, oh, yeah, I've got some, I've got a couple more spoiler free things that I can think of. Um, I really liked the, um, towards like the final act, the hallway scene. Yeah. Um, that they had, they would like, just like a cool fight involving all of the guardians, like in sort of like that, like one camera, one shot as it just like moves from each character to each character. I don't know if it was actually one character or or one shot and they, or they had like some really smart like splices in there to like make it seem like that. But otherwise it was, it was still very like technically impressive and very visually impressive. That was a really cool sequence that they had. And I thought that was really well done. Um, yeah, I, I guess it really just comes back. It's it's probably going to be mostly spoiler talk for for this movie to like go into the rest of it. Um, but like overall, like it's we know this is James Gunn's you know swan song from Marvel, and we know that it's it's going to be a lot of the actors' swan songs as well, just from like interviews and like them making announcements and things like that. Which there's a weird one at the end of that we can talk about. Yes, um, but. Uh, overall, uh, yeah, it's definitely at the very least a good movie. Um, 
in the context of it, but like just like as a movie, it's definitely easily at least a seven for me. But in the context of Marvel specifically, um, very specifically out of like the more recent Marvel films, this is much higher for me. Yeah. I've I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I've enjoyed a lot of the other movies that we've had recently. Like Shang-Chi, No Way Home, those are like the big ones. Yeah. Like Ant-Man, Quantumania, and Multiverse uh, of Madness. Wakanda, and Multiverse and Wakanda Forever. They're much lower on my like totem pole of like just enjoyment for whatever reason. Um, and obviously it's not Wakanda forever's fault that, you know, what happened happened. Like they did what they could, but like, again, like the Ironheart CGI was just absolutely terrible. There's no excuse for that. Um, like the, the, the recent slate of movies post Endgame, like a lot of them just have not been hitting. And this one was much more on the hitting side than not hitting. So it, yeah, like it, that was good. It felt like they had a much bigger budget or the CG team was just better. Because like the yeah. CG was great in this movie, time. yeah. So um, one thing I will say as a disclaimer for people who haven't watched this yet is if you haven't watched the Guardians Holiday Special, please watch it before this movie because yeah, it's important. It is important. It, they actually were filmed simultaneously. I found out, mm-hmm. which not before, but literally at the same time. So it's it's forty five minutes. It's a fun watch. Definitely give yourself the time to watch that before if you haven't seen three yet. But um, I think this is a good time to go ahead and just segue on to spoilers. Uh, we'll give you about, you know, five seconds to bounce out. And all right. Where do we want to start? Um, I want to start before we get into anything um, just to let you know this. I, I read yesterday. I was going to send you the article. But I wasn't sure what time you were seeing the movie. So the, at the end of the movie, Groot says, I love you guys. As opposed to I yeah. am Groot. That was jarring. Was that just like a translation thing? Or did he has so, he been conning us this whole time? <laughs> so throughout the movie, it's teased with Gamora not being able to understand him. And at the end, sure. she does without realizing it. And in the movie, when they shot it, you see Groot say, I love you guys. And the Guardians don't react to it at all. Like it's just something that he said. So I thought it was really weird and I didn't like it. And then I saw a, a article on Twitter from like Engadget or something like that saying like, please, I hope this theory is real. And the theory was that us as the audience now understand Groot, right? So that's why they didn't, the, the Guardians have understood him for years. That's why they didn't react. Oh, but it gets, I see. That's it, cool. it gets better though. Okay. James, James Gunn replied to that tweet and said, that's exactly correct. Oh, that's cool. I really like that. That's yeah. uh that's actually knowing that now that actually makes it really like poignant and yes, sweet and, exactly. and heartfelt. I like that. That's really cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. So like yeah. And yeah, uh, I did read also going off of like what James Gunn has said since then. Um so he had the script for Guardians three done before he was fired from Disney originally and before he wrote Suicide Squad. He said right. the script didn't change. So this was always his vision. This wasn't him trying to leave. This was Rocket's story was always the story he was going to tell. So yeah, that's that I was also aware of. So I'm glad that him leaving didn't change the fundamentals of this movie. Um, also, too, I think go ahead and knock it out. The post credit scenes, um, mainly the Star Lord will return. Legendary Star Lord will, will, will return. I'm of two minds. 
I think what I would like to see is like a one-shot special of Peter just chilling on Earth with his grandpa, learning how to cut the grass, doing Earth stuff, just hanging out, mm-hmm. seeing everybody. Um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we'll see that. I don't think we will. I would love it, though. Um, but I think we'll see him again in Kang Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, okay. I could see that. Yeah, it's... Yeah, that one was really the one that, like, threw me for a loop of them saying, like, Star-Lord will return. Because, like, I literally just watched, like, an interview with Chris Pratt and mm-hmm. how they were talking about it. It's like, like, would you, like, reprise the Star-Lord role? And he said something to the effect of, it's like, without James Gunn, the script would really have to blow me away yeah. for me to want to touch that character again, is essentially what he said. So... For them to, like, just really ballsily, like, put, like, he will return Mm -hmm. without a question mark at the end, um, I think is, uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. They Uh, did that with Thor, Love, and Thunder also. Like, they hadn't approached Chris Hemsworth or Taika Waititi, and they're like, hey, Thor will return. Like, will he? Like, I don't know. (laughs) And I know that Chris Hemsworth, like, loves the character and, like, is, like, totally down, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess with Guardians, it feels a little bit more like intimate just because it was James Gunn the entire time, whereas Taika only came in at three, which is like, you know, arguably where Thor got good. Yeah. And then like four where it got worse. But like still, like it doesn't have that same sort of like intimate property, whereas Gunn single handedly like created the on screen version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And he was there every single step of the way for like every like every time we've seen those characters. So it definitely feels much more distinct and unique to like him. And also just like, it's a very distinct portion of like the MCU of like the space odyssey that is like good and not bad. (laughs) Ant-Man cough, (laughs) Ant-Man, or even Thor four. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's Yeah. Yeah, so like it, it, that's that's one of my gripes. I feel like this would be in another episode, like revisiting the MCU in general. I don't want to tangent off of it too hard because there's a lot to say about just like a lot of the problems that I have with the MCU and like how everything is like getting more cosmic right now. But like it's it's being done very poorly, with the exception of Guardians. Yeah, so far, which is crazy because Thor is also based off in space, like in like Asgard and things like that. But like. It, that story was like love and thunder was just not as good at all and like quantum mania like their attempted at star wars was just bad in my opinion and uh th- i'm glad that james gunn was able to and like all of the cast members i'm glad that they were able to tell the story that they wanted to tell without any sort of constraints or restrictions of like oh well you're leaving you have to change this up or like we want to leave such and such open-ended or close this off like it is the story that he always had in mind to tell which i appreciate that's yeah um it it ends on a high note in that regard yeah and what i did like too is um one of the questions that was asked to him was like have you had talks with marvel on how to continue these characters like you know like maybe not you're that the one involved but like hey Let's get your feedback of what we think of this. So I'm hoping that maybe those Star-Lord conversations have happened with Gunn saying like, hey, you should do this type of thing. And I think the, the cast maybe would be into that. So hopefully that's the case. But also to, to piggyback off what you're saying about the cosmic stuff, that's why the Fantastic Four movie needs to hit. Because yeah. 
I think that's their next cosmic team. I don't. I think that to differentiate the Fantastic Four from the stuff we got before, they will go more of that space route, especially based off of last week's rumors with like Galactus and the Heralds of Galactus. So that means maybe we'll get some Silver Surfer action and maybe even like the future foundation essentially where they're in space. So we'll see. But yeah, I, I the, the movie's interesting because it was a very dark movie, but it ended very positively. So to kind of go with the other post credit scenes to knock that out is like the guardians are continuing. So do we see that with Marvel? Do we just leave them off doing their own thing? Because we now have rocket raccoon officially leading the guardians. I don't think we see another Guardians movie. I think if anything, we'll see like a special or like we'll just see them for Avengers or yeah. for Fantastic Four if they do end up going into space for Galactus. Mm -hmm. um, like much more similar in the way that we saw them in just like a quick supporting role in Love and Thunder. I think mm -hmm. that is probably to the extent that we see them. I, I honestly, I think the days of the civil war esque type of like bunching together of like all of these heroes and having them like do well, like even like the Avengers movies, I think those days are over Yeah, in terms of it being done. Well, I don't see them. I don't see them nailing the guardians correctly without James Gunn moving forward because they haven't nailed any of the space stuff without the Guardians yet. Yeah. And I don't see that changing because they haven't made any attempts to be different. Yep. Um, and, you know, like a part of that too is, oh man, we are just going to rail into Marvel here this episode. A part, part of that is just like the Disney formula or yeah. like the MCU formula. Ever since they got bought like a circa what captain america the first avenger um there has been a noticeable shift and just like a much more formulaic approach to almost every single piece of content that they've put out since um and while i understand that they want to very safely make something that appeases to all ages so that they can make money um it also now has resulted in what we have been harping on so long about fatigue with the the mcu and how just like everything is the same nothing is different like there's no it it's just it feels like there are no stakes even though there clearly are and like it just feels like we're just we're every movie is like branching out in a different direction and it, it does right now it doesn't seem like any of those branches are going to connect back into the trunk to like tell like a continuing storyline for Marvel as a whole. It's just a spider web of different stories that don't matter to any of the other stories. None of the characters are interacting. None of the characters are crossing over. It is just like a bunch of movies that happened to take place in the same technical universe, but there are no stakes or depth or development to further like show that it's the same universe. Yeah, I, I fully agree with all of that. And it's it's sad. I mean, going back and watching Infinity War, and I'm not even done rewatching it yet, but like there was something about that star of that movie that felt special because you see oh, yeah. how many characters were in that movie that are juggled very well. You know, it felt like this is hey, this is what we've been building to. Here's our moment. Let's actually take advantage of it and do well. And I don't have that confidence going into Secret Wars. I just don't. 
I yeah. when the, as soon as they announced it, I was like, "Ooh, that's that's way too soon." Like, it's, I, it's we'll see what happens when we get there. Really, all we have so far, like with Phase Four, you know, being the multiverse saga. Sure, we introduced the multiverse with like Loki and uh, you know, uh, multiverse of madness, kind of. But really, besides Quantum Mania, which is Phase Five, I believe, right? I'm pretty sure that's where we're starting to see Kang. Like we saw the tease and Loki, like really what was phase four's purpose just to be filler to while they built something new. And there weren't much like standouts in that movie. Like we had Shang-Chi and then we had no way home, which is like separate from MCU anyway, kind of like it's still Sony making those movies. Uh Yeah. It's phase four was definitely the Disney plus phase where they, we're literally just trying to make people buy Disney Plus. That yeah. was Phase Four's whole reason for existence. Now, obviously, COVID happened, so that's going to derail. I mean, that derailed all of Hollywood. But like, you still can't like you can't use that as a cop out excuse forever. And at some point, they're just going to have to take responsibility for it, and they have to do damage control for the slate of content that we got during the pandemic and through all of Phase Four, and like. There were a couple of notable things, like you said, that stood out and like Loki, WandaVision, those are also like really beloved, but then there are also ones that are just like not as well received, you know, like Multiverse of Madness or Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, like there's, um, like they gave us, and like even just like the shows on Disney Plus, like they bombarded us with all of these shows I don't know if any of these characters are ever going to see the light of day again. Like, are we ever going to see, like, Moon Knight again? Because it kind of feels like no, because there hasn't mm-hmm. been even a remote mention of him in any post-credits or anything like that. Like, whereas, yeah. you know, with literally all of the movies leading up through Phase 3, it was like you knew that these characters were going to come back because they would keep reintroducing them or, like, they would just straight up be like, this character will return at yep. the end. And it's like, like with all of these other things, like there's none of that at all. And it just feels very disjointed and unconnected and just kind of burnout for me. With that. Yeah. That being said, on the more positive side, um, this movie reaffirmed me for James Gunn moving forward with, with DC period, let alone Superman legacy. So I'm very excited to see what he brings to DC's table and Superman as a whole, because We've said many times on this podcast, we are DC fanboys at heart, and this might be their chance for other people to actually like them, which I really hope happens. Yeah, 100%. Um, Yeah, big fan of James Gunn. I'm really glad that he didn't drop the ball with this Mm -hmm. one because, you know, that that was going to be like the big uh, litmus test for whether or not DC was in good hands moving forward, and I feel pretty confident with it. Um, Obviously, like, I'm not expecting the Superman movie to be like guardians um, aside from like, obviously he has his own like unique writing style and sense of humor that I'm sure we'll see spliced in there. But like, I'm not expecting it to be like this big wacky zany space odyssey. Like it's a younger Superman story. And you imagine if he's writing it, that he's going to like really do justice to like the property of Superman. And that's not what Superman is, right? Like it's not guardians of the galaxy. It's not this, misfit band of adventurers it's the story of an immigrant like trying to fit in and he's essentially god yeah um and so like i'm expecting a good story out of him from there i'm 
much more keen for like the properties that we have coming forward in like the gods and monsters slate of things um because that's where he's like officially like kind of like taking over and being like this is what we're doing um so like the the creature commandos um the authority. And, like, yeah the authority like all of that stuff i'm much more not like excited for but i'm more confident that like okay let's see what they do you know like i'm I'm ready to like, I'm ready to see what James Gunn is cooking. And yeah, um, I mean, talking about the movie itself, I feel like we haven't really talked much yeah. about the movie itself. Um, yeah, that hallway scene is Great. one that really sticks out to me. That was so sick, dude. All of the Guardians getting to showcase cool action <laughs> and like Groot just continuing to show that he would be the scariest person you could <laughs> ever find fight in the universe like when he stuck those tendrils into that one alien and then you see the branches come out from everywhere and it was like dude that is a horror movie mm -hmm. like that is that is he's dead dead and i think this Groot, the version that we got you know after the first group died is so much stronger than the original Groot. Oh yeah, like, especially like at the post credit scene. Yeah, like, the man like went full kaiju like yeah. at one point as a joke in the movie, mm -hmm. but then like a, like by that post credit scene, it's like, dude, he's like full on like just normal kaiju now. Like that is just like his baseline. This guy yeah. is swole. He's like a like, tight. This group is yeah. This group is hitting the gym, <laughs> and like, how does he even fit on the Milano at this point? <laughs> I wonder, like, if he can like change his size. Like, I mean, obviously we know he can grow, but if, I wonder if he can shrink also. I uh, I thought it was creepy too early in the movie when you know the Adam Warlock fight happens in the first scene, and he chops Groot's head off, and he oh, grows yeah, that was like little like spider legs and like walks. Oh, that was terrible. Oh, but it was yeah. like the toy in Toy Story that like yes. Sid was like messing with us like, oh no, I don't like this at all. Please grow a body back fast. And that's how I felt too with the uh, the scene with Rocket's friends in the flashback. So I was like, this is straight up Sid from Toy Story, how he's messing with these creatures. It's disturbing. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Like uh that we have these three new characters introduced. We have Lila, we have what, Floor and Teeth. And, and Teeth. Yeah, not Teeth, Teeth. Because he's got yeah. big teeth little walrus Rest. and uh they were adorable and like lila specifically and uh one of the things that got me like emotionally wasn't like i mean obviously i was super sad when chris pratt's performance when he thinks rocket's dying there on the table great acting in chris pratt's side but what got me was when she stops rocket from dying and like you're not done yet and like the 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 way that line was delivered was like a gut punch. Like I knew it was gonna happen, but I didn't care. Like it was just, it was so well done, and that choked me up. And then the other big one that the biggest one they caught me in the entire movie was Nebula when she realized Rocket was okay. Like yeah. her reaction, like Karen Gillan's acting there was spot on. Could not have been better. I just wanted to wail in the theater. Yeah, it was. Yeah, this was a heart wrencher. There, there were a lot of like, just gut punch, like heart rending, like emotions that were that were built into this movie, which is really a testament to the storytelling and like how much we've grown to like love this band of idiots, mm -hmm. like because that's what they are. They're all a bunch of misfit idiots, like from the Isle of Misfit Toys that found each other and made like their home with each other, and it's like. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that really is just a testament to like how much we've grown to love them, and um, like I I really liked what the sort of like the dynamic and like the 
the side plot that we had with like Nebula, Drax, and Mantis, like mm-hmm. their like triangular relationship and they're like coming to understand one another over the course of the movie from like butting heads and like thinking that the other is like stupid or whatever. And so like them finally getting to a point where they can like see the worth in each other. Um, Bantis and Drax, and- man, like what a great pairing. They have been since the start, but really they just kept going with that connection. And like when she goes to leave at the end, he's like, I'll go with you. You need my protection. Like, he wasn't just saying that because he she needs protection. He wants to be around her because they're so close. And yeah, like Drax, I think, had the most character growth of anybody throughout this trilogy. Like by the end, like he he started off as Drax the Destroyer, wanting revenge for his wife and daughter. And now he ends the series after bashing or not bashing, I should say, but when he tells the story of how he met his wife and how she wouldn't dance, and that he loved that about her. And the movie ends with him dancing to the dog days are over by Florence and the machine. Like yeah, it was just the kids uh, so good. It was too. so cute. And yeah, like now he's going to be a dad essentially to all these like orphaned genetically altered kids. And it was beautiful. It was. Yeah. Uh, I, okay. So do we want to talk about like the, the star Lord nebula? Will they won't they <laughs> type of thing? Cause it seemed like they were dropping hints all throughout that. Like, Maybe there was something there. I don't think, I think that was just a joke. I think that was one of James Gunn's slapstick things. Like, I think it because Peter's been hurt so bad and like knowing that Nebula and Gamora are sisters, even though they're technically not because of Thanos. Like, I wonder if that was just him being like, oh, hey, maybe, maybe it was here. Your eyes are so black. You know, like, yeah, it, it was funny. It was a little weird. I thought it was weird in the trailer. It played better on, on the, in the movie itself, but. Oh, it was, it was. It was really funny in the movie, and I was I was really hoping that they weren't going to go that route, just yeah. because, like, holy cow, why is it, and this is a real-life thing, too, that you can, like, look up throughout history, why is it that when, like, a wife dies, the husband immediately marries their sister? Like, what? Why is this a thing? Why? Don't perpetuate that. That's weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. The, like that's messed up. Dude. There was that movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Tobey Maguire and Allie Portman called Brothers, where yeah, like yeah, where Tobey Maguire was in the military in Iraq or Afghanistan. And he, like they presume he's dead, and Jake Gyllenhaal like gets with his wife, and Tobey Maguire comes home and is like super pissed. And yeah, that that seems to happen a lot. It's it's very odd, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think that's where they were going. I I do like how they handled Gamora. They left her in a place where. Because she didn't have those experiences that the first two movies and Avengers had, she's not the same person. She has a different set of memories, which goes to me like I've always believed in the nature versus nurture argument. Like Superman was dropped in Kansas with the Kents. If he was dropped on the Luther's door, would not have been the same person because he wasn't raised that way. And essentially that's what happens with Gamora. She didn't have those core memories to alter her being to where she becomes this good person and falls in love with these people. And like, she's happy in the end. She's with her people. She's happy with what she's doing. And she now understands what could have been, but that's not who she is. Yeah. I think that uh, I agree with you. I like where her character ended, but I didn't necessarily like her character throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, that would have been another thing that I would have cut from this movie. And I would have liked to see beforehand as a special, 
um, like maybe just centered around Gamora or like centered around her trying to get along with the Guardians and it not working. But I feel like there was a little bit of a disconnect there just with like her character. Like she seemed like even from Guardians 1, like she seemed way meaner in this movie than she was in like the original um, mm. where it's just kind of like, I get what you're doing. Like you really need to separate this Gamora from like the Gamora we're used to because it's a different one. But like I, some of it just kind of felt like not quite, it didn't quite hit for me. She even spoke differently. Yeah. Like everything about her was just like different. And um, aside from like, I do think that she ended well, I, I liked the relationship that she had kind of like fostered with Nebula Mm. Uh, because it's very different from like how they ended up in like the original with like the original Gamora where they were like actually sisters. Mm. Whereas here they're essentially just like business partners and mm. like they exchange everything that they want to say with just that, uh, just uh. a grunt. And like mm. that tells the other everything that they need to. Um, I, I like that just because like it's different from what we saw, but it's still also like a relationship that was believable with those characters. Yep. Um, and like, yeah, with like the ravagers and stuff like that, like she found her own people and like that moment where like her and like Chris Pratt were like saying goodbye whenever mm. she was like getting ready to go back to the ravagers. That was also like, a, just like another like poignant moment where like you could see that while Chris Pratt wasn't like, not Chris Pratt, well, star Lord wasn't like, he wasn't okay yet. He had at least like finally seemed to be able to start letting go of like his Gamora yeah. and accept that this is just a different person entirely. And like, he's going to stop trying to make that a thing, you know? So like yeah. he, while he's not better, he's at least at a point where he can start getting better and like, like truly grieve and ideally like move on with his life. And obviously him going back to, kansas or missouri is where he's from mm. and to like to reconnect with his grandpa and everything like that hopefully that will help with like his healing process yeah i think they handled his character very well especially like you know how again rewatching it infinity war like the last thing he sees gamora and they say is she says that gamora to star lord i love you more than anything and he says i love you you should have went right like you know, like, and then then he she goes away and then dies off like from him off screen essentially. He finds out later and almost destroys the whole galaxy because of it. So I, I want to talk about Adam Warlock. Um, I, like yeah. I said earlier, the beginning I thought he started off very strong, very menacing. He was very strong. Like he made easy work of all of the Guardians, and he dismantled them. Yeah, and so that was like this is sweet. He's he's you know he's the powerful character we hoped, and then he goes back home and you realize he's a child because he was released too early from his pod because the high evolutionary wanted rocket. So my theory then, you know, is that the next time we see him, he will be older and more mature and he'll be the character we know that we should have gotten. But instead we got this like man child that was like all about his mother in this movie, which was weird how they cut that scene, by the way, that was my, my biggest gripe with the movie is the counter earth planet. What happened there, how they handled it. I didn't like that. I think that could have been cut easily or reworked. Um, but like he's rushing back to his mother so she doesn't die. It shows the explosion of her dying. And then all of a sudden they cut and he's in the ship with Nebula. Right? That's there. That uh, we go Gamora. I mean, yeah. Is that when you went to the bathroom? Because like, no, he, no. Like, 
I, he I, burst in like he burst in to like try to like mess up the guardians because he was like angry that yeah, I saw that. Just died. like he was grieving like that was that was the point of that he's like my mom died because of you i'm gonna make you hurt and then like you know it, things don't go according to his plan maybe, maybe i did miss that i i thought i left at a time where i, I didn't miss it really anything because it was when uh like pete and uh it was right after maybe right before the fight with uh, Quill and Groot with the high evolutionary where they pull all the guns out. Very cool scene. Uh, and then my my other gripe, and it's more of like just storytelling in general and it went lazy. So Counter-Earth was created and was a failure, right? He already knew that he was growing the kids to do so, but they had to blow up the planet while they were there. Like it just the timing of everything was just too convenient for my liking. Because like literally... Quill was like, oh, hey, this planet's a failure. There's drug dealers in the street. People are poor. It's a gift. They're a failure. Press the button, blows up the planet. Like, I just didn't, yeah. I didn't like the, the timing of everything there. I think if it was already planned or they said it was planned, I would have liked that more. I, I feel like it's implied that it was, like, a planned thing. Or, like, I, I on the flip side of it, I think that because they were deemed a failure of a planet, that they mattered so little to the high evolutionary mm -hmm. that they're not even worth putting on the calendar for like destruction yeah like they're not even worth the effort of like they're an afterthought to him at this point like he they no longer matter at all to him and yeah that's kind of like the that's kind of the the what i took from that was that they're because they were instantly deemed a failure, it's just instantly the broken toy that he just, like, drops and is never going to play with again. So, like, they just don't matter. So he's like, oh, you know, maybe this will make you angry. I'm going to genocide them all right now in front of you. Like, yeah. how does that feel? My issue, though, is, is, like, it's not... He didn't realize in that moment they were a failure. Like, clearly they've been failing for a while, and he just chose that moment to blow them up. So that that was my issue. Yeah, I mean, that's general, like, narcissistic god complex behavior mm -hmm. for people. Um, you know, it's, he was probably still trying to gather, gather whatever data he could from them for, like, how to, like, improve the next thing. But yeah, whenever he was presented in that opportunity, it's like, you want to save these failures? Fine, I'm going to genocide them all, idiot. How does mm -hmm. that feel? Stupid. And, like, that's kind of just, like, how I felt. Like, yeah. I don't know, like someone as vile and wicked and evil and despicable as the high evolutionary like it, it gets hard just because you really go into like the psychology of people mm -hmm. with like inferiority or like god complex or just like rampant narcissism which he had all of those things um where it's it's hard to always like pick out the logic in anything that they do other than bad guy is bad yeah now to kind of cap end the high evolutionary, we've already talked about how much we liked his portrayal and how easily hateable he was. Do you think he survived? No. I If he survived, it's going to be in like a crossbones kind of way mm. where he's just going to be a throwaway villain in like an opening sequence or something like that in another movie. He's going to be yeah. an afterthought. He's I not going to be the level that we saw. Him. I just don't like people dying off screen. Like, they left him there to die, and the ship blew up. He's implied to die. I would have rather we saw him go in flames or something, just to have that clarification. Because a lot of times, you know, storytelling does bring people back for no apparent reason. So, yeah. um, then another thing I wanted to bring up, too, was a character at the very end of the movie in the post credit scene with the new Guardians team. 
Um, apparently yeah. she's a pretty big comic book character um, that they're kind of retconning her origin to and changing. Um, so she's actually like the daughter of Marvel, which is you know, the original yeah. Captain Marvel. Doesn't seem like they're going that route in this, but um, that's like a little throwaway tease that most people I didn't even notice it. You know, God, it's like Priya or what, what was her name? Pyra, Phyla, Phyla, Phyla so, Vel. Uh, yeah, which in this they just called her Phyla. So we'll see where they go from there with that. But uh, I don't want to skip out on Rocket. Um, I think this is Rocket's movie through and through. It was building to this for the last two movies. And I think Rocket was the heart of the, the whole trilogy to me. Um, he, without Rocket, I don't think the team would have worked. And you really get Rocket's backstory with this, with his friends and, you know, why he's special like they really showed that rocket raccoon is special he was able to figure this out without knowing his brain is special that's why the high evolutionary wanted him so like i just wanted to give bradley cooper all the credit and and uh for that you know jay or sean gunn also sean gunn not only is like the stand-in body double for rocket on set he also voiced rocket for the younger rocket in this movie well that wasn't bradley cooper so Rocket was awesome. I, I loved the storytelling they did. It was super sad. Um, also, just a random thing I just thought of. I thought Drax was going to die at one point. Like he gets shot in the back and then the, in the chest. I'm like, oh no, you don't kill Drax right now, please. But like, there was so much like emotional like stakes in this movie, and I was never, I never felt safe for anybody except, except Peter at the end. I knew there was no way he was dying like that. Like, you know, when Adam Warlock saved him, I was like, right. There was no way they're letting Star-Lord go out like that. Yeah. Although it would have been kind of poetic for him to go out the same way that Yondu did, just in terms of getting spaced. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I also felt like his character was safe, and that was a good moment for, like, Adam Warlock to kind of redeem himself and, like, make use of that second chance, which I thought, like, paint by numbers, but also, like, it still had the emotional punch that it needed to have. Um, uh, what's another thing that I wanted to talk about? Um, Nathan Fillion, Nathan Fillion. Yes. Yeah. I, I have, no, I know. A, I know you're a big Nathan Fillion fan. That was a fun fan. character. Yeah. That was a really fun character. I really liked, I really liked his portrayal there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that was really fun for me. Just like, like, like him making up some like nonsense and the guy's just like, oh yeah. And it's like, I just made that up. And he like, just clearly just hates this guy. And just the whole time for that to be like his running gag is just like, it's like nepotism. I get it. I have to deal with one of those two. <laughs> like it was so <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, like that was a super funny role. I loved seeing that. Nathan Fillion kills it with everything. Um, now, one thing that James Gunn did confirm last night when he was answering questions, it was asked several times by fans. It was, will any of the Guardians of the Galaxy cast be joining Superman Legacy? The answer was yes. But mm-hmm. I think you can't really take that with anything because Sean Gunn is in every James Gunn project. Michael Rooker is in damn near every James Gunn project. So, but that being said, if you were to pick someone from Guardians or multiple people for that movie, who would they be? Uh, I know a lot of people were saying Drax for Lex Luthor, like Mike Batista for Lex Luthor. I think that'd be kind of interesting. Um, Michael Rooker for Lex Luthor. Also, um, I, I thought Michael Rooker's too old to I, play I Lex Luthor I, I, in the context of a young Superman. Story. I agree. I, I fully agree. Um, I think Batista wouldn't be a terrible choice, but it'd be different. Um, 
It'd be the, very different. Yeah. I see Batista more as like an actual Bane type. Yeah, of I, I fully agree. Than anything else. Now, what I just thought of when we were talking about it, which is made me think of the idea, is Nathan Fillion as Perry White. Hmm. Interesting. Because that's a, a, a decent role for him. It's not super big. He's in a lot of uh, James Gunn's projects. He's funny. You know, that I don't think he will be, but I think he could be. I think that'd be an interesting choice. Or maybe maybe Pocket. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I could see either of those things. I, I, yeah, that's uh, that's that's solid. I'm not against either of those. Um, obviously, we know that. Um, I'm blanking on Star Lord. Um, mm. We know that he is not going to be Superman. Yeah, um, no James way. Gunn shut that down immediately. He was like, "No, like I'm." Of course, he wants to work with Chris Pratt again because, like. Yeah, like, as you said, like, James Gunn is a filmmaker that, like, he, when he, if he builds a relationship with you and that relationship is favorable, he will work with you at any cost moving forward for the rest of his career. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, not even, not even, like, his brother, but, like, also, like, his wife, Jennifer Holland from Peacemaker was in this movie as the guard that Nebula shot. <laughs> um, They had, like, P. Michael P. Davidson. Rosen. Yeah, Pete Davidson, like. Uh, obviously Nathan Fillion in the Suicide Squad, it just was like an even smaller cameo than he had here in yeah. Guardians as the detachable kid. Actually, and Nathan Fillion was also in Guardians 1. So in Guardians 1, when they first show up to the prison, um, mm -hmm. and uh, Groot grabs like the CG like alien character that was like threatening Quill, and he like puts his tendrils through the dude's nose, that was Nathan Fillion. Oh, and I have not watched Guardians one in a while, so that it's not very noticeable. Not yeah, well, that's cool, but yeah, like just like he builds this relationship, and like let alone like Sean, who is like the weasel, and then he plays uh, what's his name, like Craggle, Kilgore, Craglin, Craglin, uh, like he he and like um, the High Evolutionary Agent Mern from Peacemaker, mm -hmm. like he works with like. He try he intentionally like works with those same actors because he like builds that relationship and it's a lot easier for them to like kind of like ping pong off of each other and like mm -hmm. come up with great stuff. So it's like absolutely fully expecting to see him work with, you know, Batista or Palm or mm -hmm. Bradley or like it, literally any of those characters. Like if if like I see some stupid TMZ article of like breaking like james gunn just said he's like partnering with bradley cooper for some unannounced thing and it's like well yeah no shit sherlock <laughs> like obviously that's gonna happen like he voiced like this super important character to him obviously like they're on good terms like don't be stupid and don't fall for the clickbait articles like that you guys oh they're already out there don't worry um what well, about... i know they are but don't perpetuate it what about the high evolutionary as brainiac because that was one people were like fan casting already as well. Well, he's already Agent Mern, and like he's dead from Peacemaker, so I don't. But is Peacemaker truly canon? Because I think Flashpoint could change that, you know. And you could even they... you could not even recognize uh... him with makeup and stuff. They could, but like at that point, I feel like they could just get like another actor to yeah. give us a portrayal of Brainiac. Like, yeah. We've already gotten like I, I don't know. I feel like he wouldn't want to get typecast, yeah, as the, that type of character. But like, 
I'm not I'm not opposed to it. Like if that's the direction that they want to go, I just want to see Brainiac done well. Yeah. I don't care who plays him. So like if they decide to go with his name, I can't remember his name. It's 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 one that I can't pronounce, but yeah. like it's a it's a very like the, native African name. Yeah, it, but if they go with um that actor, like I'm not gonna complain. Like I'm not upset about that because I think he's a really good actor and yep. obviously has really good chemistry with Gun and like all of the people that like they work with. You know, uh, yeah, Chukwudi Iwuji. I probably butchered that, but um, he's a fantastic actor. So I was I was really happy to see that like that relationship carried forward and they're like, oh, he's like the big bad in like the Marvel movie. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see him getting that. That's really, that's really neat. Um, yeah, but like, I mean, tons of cameos in this movie, tons of uh, like fun things that are on there. Um, yeah, this movie had a lot of payoffs for these characters. I uh, disagree with you with the Adam Warlock thing. I think he is still going to be a man-child. I'm pretty sure they're going the route of, like, Thor with him, of, like, mm. he's going to be, like, the big dopey lunk, <laughs> and I don't see that changing at all. Like, maybe we'll get some depth to him the way that we got some depth with Drax, but, mm. like, he's still going to be the big dopey lump because... Because he was born too is, early, basically. Yeah, and, like, that's, that's going to be the trope that they go with, even though it is an overused, outdated trope. That is, I feel like, what they're going to go with if we ever see him again. But I don't think we're going to see another Guardians movie. At yeah, all. I, well, I think we'll see Adam Warlock again, but not not necessarily Guardians or, like you said, a crossover with like Secret Wars, stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah, that's that'll be a conversation to have just about like all of the problems that we have with Marvel right now with like their issues, but like most of their issues are not on screen. Like most of their issues stem from behind the screen and Mm -hmm. behind the camera. Like, yeah, it like a lot of their issues happen before the movie even gets made or like during the making of it, not the movie itself. Um, which is sad. That being said next week, I believe that as our schedules line up and everything that seems to be our topic, unless if the news breaks and there's something crazy to talk about, our plan for next week episode next week's episode is to rank the Marvel movies, the MCU movies into tier lists. So uh yes. not a not a official go ahead. I've got a I've got a twist that we'll introduce in that episode that'll make it interesting for everyone to listen to, which you'll have to listen to find out, but I don't want to spoil it now because Kyle doesn't know what that twist is, and I I think that it's going to make for good content and it's really going to make them hate me. And I love that. So I'm, I'm very excited for it. So it'll be, it'll be good. And like, obviously I'm glad that we could watch guardians first so that we could include that into the tier list somewhere. Um, I'll be very interested to see like where things shake out in that regard. But overall, I, I like this movie quite a bit. I, I think that it's going to be really low on my like rewatchability, just because of like the animal stuff yeah. that goes on, like that hits me pretty, yeah. uh, pretty hard personally. Um, but I, it's it's good. Like it's probably still got more rewatchability than like Thor: Love and Thunder for me. Yeah, I think two is overall the most rewatchable, just because it's a comedy, you know, movie at, at its core, and it's a well paced comedy movie. But yeah, three being like the emotional movie that it is. I do want to watch it again. I don't know if I'll watch it in theaters again, but I definitely want to give it another watch, knowing everything that happens in the movie to see it not 
anticipating someone to, to die and all that stuff. Um, I, I, it seems like I'm a little bit higher on than you are overall, but you know, I, I like to watch Marvel movies pretty frequently. Like I, I rewatch a lot of them just to have on the background. My favorites, there's quite a few, you know, the Captain America, your Spider-Man's, your Avengers, the Guardians mm-hmm. movies. So I, I'm sure I'll rewatch it a couple times here and there, but I definitely soon, like sooner than later, when I watch three again. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I'd say I probably come down to like a 7.5 for it. I think it's really good. I don't know if I can really give it a great just because like I do still feel like it was a little long in the tooth and mm-hmm. like just some of those like character issues that I have with like Adam Warlock and Gamora and things like that. It, it kind of holds me back from a great, but there were a lot of great and amazing things about this movie. Yeah. Like the CG was awesome. Um, the writing as a whole was really well done. The comedy still hit the, the heart wrenching stuff was heart wrenching. Um, like it, it had a lot of really great things in it. Um, just, I, yeah, I feel like those few negatives and just like the runtime were enough to, to take it down just a little bit for me. Why does every superhero movie have to be two and a half hours? Lately? Yeah, for sure. Um, would you like, put why? this higher or below guardians two? higher? Okay. Higher than Guardians 2 for sure. Probably still not as good as Guardians 1, but I feel like I could probably flip-flop on that depending on the day just because like it's it's a lot easier to start something good than it is to finish something yeah. good, you know? So like the fact that overall I still think that they did wrap up this trilogy really well and they wrapped up most of these characters really well is much more impressive than Guardians 1. So I I might actually lean more towards Guardians 3 for that reason because it's just so much harder to stick the landing. Yeah. And as we've seen with Ant-Man and Thor and Mm -hmm. like just like a a lot of like the final iterations that we've seen and of a lot of these characters. And I get that we'll still see some of them like that we just mentioned, but like it's hard nailing trilogies. It's hard nailing like these sort of like these not necessarily final, but like these more recent iterations and the fact that Guardians is the one that stuck the landing versus all of these other ones, like there there's there's something to be said about that. Yeah, it's it's a special franchise and I'm I'm glad to see you sure. went out on the note that it did. So I mean Thank God for that. <laughs> that's pretty much I think everything I wanted to touch base on. Any final thoughts before we close her out for the week? Uh I mean I'm excited. Uh, you know, I I'm more and more excited for the Flash movie. Mm. Uh, just solely because like we that was one of the previews in our theater, and like a lot of the people apparently had not seen this trailer before, and they were like, "Yo, this <laughs> is actually going to be good." I know, and it's like I hope so. Like, but but again, like a lot of the early screenings and things like that at like CinemaCon, and even you have like Tom Cruise talking about it. Um, how like this is a fantastic movie, not even a fantastic comic movie or a DC movie, but just a fantastic movie that has me hopeful. I'm really hopeful that this is gonna be good. Um, yeah, I feel like that's like we've got Spider-Man, uh, and then we've got the Flash. Those are like the next two like really big comic book based yeah. things coming up in June and July. And then we'll have Aquaman, Blue Beetle, and then the Marvels this year also. 
Is that the order? Is Aquaman coming out? Um, I think. Or I think August? I think Blue Beetle is August, and then Aquaman's the fall. I want to say is the plan. I thought for Aquaman. I thought Aquaman was going to be in like December. Or was that? The it could be. One? It could be. I I know. I know Blue Beetle's August. Um, so we'll see. So okay. You know what? That's a good way to end this. What do you? How do? How do you feel about the Marvels going into this now? Having since that's going to be mm-hmm. the next like silver screen property that we see after guardians i know that we've got like secret wars or whatever that's mm-hmm. happening on disney plus and uh, surely that'll matter because it's going to be nick fury based but yeah. like how how do you feel more confident less confident in the marvels based off of like this one movie or do you think the track record is still wholly like negative i think that james gunn is excluded from the marvel fatigue I think he has enough of his own brand to those movies and enough say at the studios where he could do what he wanted and have his vision that the the rest of the MCU kind of falls flat. And I am excited for the Marvels. I enjoyed Miss Marvel quite a bit. I like Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. I liked Monica Rambeau a lot in WandaVision. And I don't think we'll get much of Nick Fury, but I, I like enjoy Sam Jackson. So I'm excited for the movie. I don't think it's going to be an amazing movie. I, don't, I hope it's at least good. But I don't even expect it to be great. But we'll see. It's if there. There's so many things that have happened with Marvel movies. It's just, it's hard to impress anymore, and that's why I think I like Guardians three so much. Is it really impressed me? Yeah. Same. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty much the same on that. I think that like it's kind of sad that I feel like the renaissance of like big comic book movies are kind of like over because of how poorly received a lot of Marvel has been lately. Just in terms of like, it's like you hope it's going to be good, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like, yeah, that's the hope at this point is we just hope it's going to be good. Yeah, well, I think that will wrap up this week. Looking forward to next week's topic where we get to rank the uh, the Marvel movies. So that should be a fun time. Till then, my name is Kyle. And I'm Jack. See you next week. Peace.